What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. Let's kick it off because we got a packed stack with oh, G.I. Joe yes. Castlefall from IDW, written by Paul Alar, art by Chris Evanhouse. I got to tell you, never in a million years would I have expected that a G.I. Joe book would be at the top of my personal stack. But that's where we are. This book is, well, a lot of what this book has been leading up to. Cobra has taken over the entire world. Finally, G.I. Joe gets an in to fight back. It doesn't go exactly how you think it's going to go. There's a big twist there. This book is great. I got to say, I mean, like... I was not allowed to watch G.I. Joe as a child because they had guns in their hands. Can we Uh, talk about G.I. Joe one time without you dropping that? Well, I'm just, it was just a sort of an introduction (laughs) to say that I also love this book. I also wasn't allowed sugar cereals, which led me to enjoy a lot of like grape nuts. And you also had to drink well water and your teeth. Don't spoil the next book we're talking about is Grape Nuts number one, which was also very (laughs) good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Just put a little honey on it. Uh, no, this this book is so good. And what I love about it is they've been building up to it over the course of all these smaller issues in books uh, to get here. And each one, for the most part, has been excellent. And the fact that they're building this whole little universe uh, around G.I. Joe, something that, again, uh, I don't know if I said, I never watched as a kid. Oh, my God. I fucking hate you. Uh, I, I mean, this is great. I mean, you get to see Rogue Block like – Fucking uh, pick up a fucking giant cannon of a gun and just fucking shoot it. It was great. Um, yeah, the art's really good. The storytelling, the plot's impressive. It's a lot better than a lot of the cartoons plot. Uh, but I, I thought Not this all was... of it. Like, I would say like 50% of the cartoons plots. Most of the cartoons plots were very good, as we all know. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, because we all watched them as kids. It, mu- them. it must have been fun for you, Pete, to see your favorite Joes like Soup Can, Hubcap. <laughs> Not, uh, it's no, so far, you haven't named one. Dance Party. Nope. Um, hat Hair. Hat Hair no. is so good in this issue. <laughs> no. He's so what good because he's like. Did you see like, my he, favorite scene of the issue is when load bearing beam really <laughs> brings the hurt down. Uh, that guy is so tough. He's got I'm the only one who knows the names, and you guys are still doing bits. It's just ridiculous. I well, what I love about this is I again I have no interest in GI Joe, particularly because of the names, because they're so silly and over the top. But every character is so distinct from the art to the writing to their motivations here, if, including the villains as well. Like the way yeah. that they fleshed out Cobra here and made them interesting, rather than just going, "I'm a serpent's name and I have a mask <laughs> and I'm evil." And that's pretty much my whole impression of Cobra Commander. I think. There's oh two of them, God. right? No, there's more. I don't you, you Destro and minutes. also Cobra Commander. I don't okay, know. How this all works. right, Destro is not talk like that. Serpentor. Oh my God! All right, you're <laughs> killing me. I'm the Baroness. Okay. All right. First off, let's back up the truck. If you're going to do bits about their names, know the show, okay? Because like one of the funniest things is they would do PSAs like after the show, and there would be a character whose name is Barbecue, and he has a flamethrower on his back. And then he's like, hey, kids, if somebody, uh, you know, if you have a house fire, you should run away. And it's like, hey, Barbecue, how did that house fire start? You have a flamethrower, and you're standing next to a fire. This isn't cool, man. You shouldn't set people's house on fire to then teach kids about fires. It's very funny to me that you were like, Justin, you're making fun of this by saying the names you said. 
and you said the name Barbecue is a hero, the hero you like's name. Because when I said Hubcap, you were like, that's stupid. But you said Barbecue. And you were like, that's good. Hubcap yeah. is bad. I mean, but Snow Job's a real, that's a real name. What about Tippy Toe? I really like Tippy Toe. Oh my God. This book is fantastic. Definitely pick it up, even if you don't know anything about G.I. Joe. Moving on to Snow Angels, number one from Comixology, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Jock. I said this on the live show, but I'll stick with it. You're that team is on a book and you're in no matter what. But thankfully, this book is great and weird anyway. It's about a world. Maybe a world that has been covered in ice. All that exists is this snow trench. There's a family, a father and two daughters who are skating through the trench for one of their 12th birthday. uh, And things get weirder and deadlier and more dangerous for there. This feels like the perfect gelling of these two creators' tastes. It seems like it's uh, Snowpiercer 2, where, you know, okay, after the train's gone, now they're just living on the tracks. You know what I mean? And that's where this takes place. Uh, <laughs> withering criticism from Pete Page. But you um, say that about anything that involves snow. You said that when you saw the Michael Keaton vehicle, <laughs> Jack Frost, as well. The yeah, Michael no. when Keaton the vehicle. When the weather report came out, Pete screamed at the TV. It's like, Snowpiercer! <laughs> Get out of here! This Arctic... Um, I like this book a lot. It's uh, it really like you, you said it uh, best, Alex. Like it's such a great combination of these two creators' work. Um, a lot of great uh, blood splatters on this, um, and very few snow angels. And ice skating is hard, and these characters do it constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, growing up in upstate New York, you needed to kind of like you might as well put skates on because you're walking around so much ice. But I did. Really, all joking aside, I really love the last page reveal. The art's unbelievable. This is a very unique, cool kind of world that we're kind of thrown into here. I thought it was an amazing first issue of, like, getting you established with what's going on and then kind of raising the stakes. I thought this was a really fantastic book. Next up, The Immortal Hulk, Flatline number 1 from Marvel, written in art by Declan Chalvey. This is another, as you can probably tell from the title, spin-off of the American uh, Immortal Hulk doing one-shot stories about him here. Bruce Banner meets one of his old teachers. Things don't go that well over the course of the issue. H- how do you think uh, this held up to the high standard of Immortal Hulk? I like this a lot. Um the uh, Declan Shelby has been talking about this book a lot online. Like, there's a lot of pride and uh, and just love um, uh, for this book uh, coming from the creator. So I, I really appreciate that, and it's a great story. It feels like a classic Hulk story that we haven't seen in a while because um, the main book has been so focused on just straight up horrifying <laughs> imagery. So this uh, takes it back a little bit and um, really uh, says, "Hey, be nice to your teachers because they might." Um, come at you from some uh, gamma irradiated um, uh, vision and really f- fuck up your life if you don't if you're not careful. Yeah, you know teachers will haunt you for the rest of your life, man. You got to be careful. Yeah, totally agree. Ha ha! Number two from Image Comics, written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Zoe Thorogood. This is the second issue, of course, from the creator of Ice Cream Man. 
Uh, it is an anthology about clowns. Here we're getting to meet a character who it's not revealed until the end of the issue exactly what she's doing. But as a child, she ran away with her mom, who had a bit of a psychotic break and thought she was a clown, wanted to go away to a fun time, happy land. Things do not end up fun time or happy. Uh, how do you <laughs> feel about this one? So good. Haunting. Um, we love W. Maxwell Prince's work. Um, on Ice Cream Man and to to see it sort of grounded um, in a weird way. I didn't expect this series about ostensibly focusing on clowns to be like the more grounded version of uh, his storytelling. But it really is. It's sort of real world stories of people um, going off the map a little bit with their choices, with clown imagery. And uh, it's there's such a melancholy to all of this work. And I really like that. Uh, yeah, this is so haunting and messed up in ways that I wasn't ready for. Um, this mother and child like relationship was was very scary to me. And uh, you know, there I kept waiting to there to be kind of fun moments, and so far it's just a fucking nightmare. And I'm scared to keep reading this comic because it was like, I feel like Ice Cream Man kind of encouraged this. And I'm a little worried about what the payoff is going to be. I I don't think there's going to be a payoff. I think it's just an anthology of stories. I think maybe the people reading it will slowly start to go insane and then paint their faces like clowns. And then, you know, I guess the payoff is when you show up to do the show in full clown, which honestly, I think we're pretty close to. (laughs) <laughs> what if all of these people in this book join together in some sort of group? All of these crazy people who are clowns forming a group together, it would be some sort of insane clown posse. Oh, I mean, just to throw something God. out there, I feel like that's maybe how it could work at the last issue. Uh, <laughs> huh. That'd be quite a uh, leave, League of Extraordinary uh, Clowns. Uh, I would, I, as long as they aren't fueled by some sort of Small market soda, I think, will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) King in Black, number four from Marvel, written by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Stegman. This is a big issue here where, once again, Donny Cates redefines the Marvel Universe, does a little bit of the old retcon action to come up with an explanation for something that has not made a lot of sense. Uh, Eddie Brock is lying dying. Dylan Brock, his son, has been trapped by Null, the King in Black. All of the heroes are trying to fight back, and they finally get a foothold here as we enter the end game of this title. What did you think about all the twists and turns? I love the reveal at the end of the issue. Like, when I first started reading comics, and I will spoil this um, uh, this sort of twist at the end right now, um, but Captain Universe was what was on the stands right then Spider-Man had just had the captain universe powers and he was, uh, coming back like recovering from that being sort of depowered. I think the first Spider-Man issue I ever read, he was shooting upwards into space, having just lost the captain universe powers, um, and trying to, uh, web himself to a passing airplane. And so to have that make sense and, uh, maybe join the, the Marvel Universe with Eddie Brock at the helm, I thought was great. It was crazy to see the heroes turn it around so hard in this issue. Yeah, I I really thought this was great. Um, 
lot of cool reveals in this issue. It's, it's finally, you know, the uh, good guys are getting their butts kicked for a long time now. It's nice to see uh, what kind of cards we're going to play here. So I was really, really impressed with this issue. A uh, lot of cool stuff, and, and I can't wait to see how this whole thing unfolds. I went from being like, what is this, to really on board with this kind of event. So I feel like it was really cool. And then the uh, backup story, the Demon Days, was also really cool as well. That was very fun. Uh, that seems to be a title that we're going to see going forward that is a Japanese, I would say, art style inflected X-Men tale, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, Batman Catwoman number three from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann. We're continuing this time-hopping story of Batman and Catwoman as they fight a war on three different fronts. Um, I like this one. I felt like I had a better handle on what's going on in this issue than I did necessarily in the first two <laughs> issues. How'd you guys feel about it? All right, I love this. I thought this was like really amazing. I love the kind of like tone that's even set up in the beginning with the double play like the double spread title page of like bat and cat uh i i think this is such a cool area to explore like if the bat and cat are together how do they exist you know what i mean like uh, are they is catwoman have to be more good does batman have to try to be more bad like how do they exist and i think this is a very interesting position to put Batman and Catwoman and the kind of reveal of, of Joker where like in the money suit, I lost it. I thought that was so uh, funny and hysterical. And um, that whole, like Paul Fleischman is dead. Oh God, no. Who's Paul Fleischman? I, I I'm really having a lot of fun with this book. I'm I'm very very impressed with it. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough nice things about the art and everything that's going on. Yeah, the art is so stylized. It's so like composed in such a specific way. Especially a story that moves around so much. It's so nice to see the art really reflecting uh, a meticulous uh, design style. But yeah, this reminds me of uh, oddly the last episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh uh, wow. Uh, the jumping between. Oh, okay, uh, I can see that. Jumping to, between different eras, telling one story. Because it almost feels like in this comic that the characters are aware of the time jumps. I don't think they actually are, but it feels like they're very complicit in telling this story in this particular way. And I think that's what allows it to hang together so well. As opposed to – because it's, it's jarring jumping between the different time frames in this. There's very sure. little visual uh, uh, direction, but – there's just so much emotional direction where we're seeing so much happen at once. And at the same time, we're introducing uh, the Mask of the Phantasm here, um, which is a horrifying uh, character. Uh, I got to say, that's the one thing for me that is not quite working about this book is I really like the Phantasm. It just right now feels like this element that I don't quite get how it fits in and how just it wait for it. All right. Don't, I'm sure. Just... Yes, I know it will pan out and it's fine. But the Joker stuff in both the past and the present seems to connect. I get that the phantasm is this outside thing, but it's such a outsized presence, perhaps given because of its real world weight of Batman mask of the phantasm being yeah. the best Batman movie that I felt like, Oh, this is its own story. Why are, what is going on with the phantasm? Why are we not telling this story? Why is this only one third of the book? 
And I, yeah, I, but, I think that is that exterior pressure because to me, and I'm someone that didn't, uh, I didn't watch that uh, when I was younger. So it's not something I revere maybe as much. So just seeing the imagery that's there to be scary, um, as opposed to being like, look, I'm this character, you know, I, I think it's working. Right, yeah, I, I agree. Just because something was amazing, don't m- let it hurt this uh, story before you kind of we get what it's about. But I understand what you're saying, and it makes sense. Uh, I'm just I'm just so happy we're getting the story because we got like a little teases of it, and then DC was like, "No, nah, we're we're kind of doing something else." So I'm so glad that in this black label uh, thing we get this story that we were kind of given a little bit and then taken away. So. I'm just so happy right now with what what with what's going on in this book. Next up, Savage number one from Valiant Comics, written by Max Bemis, art by Nathan Stockman. In this, we are picking up with Savage, a wild little boy who was left in a dinosaur land and came to the present. Now he's a social media star. Don't worry, there's still dinosaur battles in this book. I thought this was a lot of fun. What did you guys think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I- this- this is a lot of fun. It reminds me of um, back in the day, uh, the Ultraverse line of comics. This feels like strong pitch, strong concept. Uh, with mixing a classic sort of comic book trope with um, a modern uh, spin on it, and then the story is just really fun. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 fun to see kind of Savage exist now, and uh, and how that would kind of look a little bit. But I'm glad that we still get to kind of see Savage do what Savage uh, enjoys doing. What Savage do. (laughs) And it it was, yeah, the art's unbelievable. This is a very visually pleasing book. And uh, it really Pleasing. So pleasing. Yeah. (laughs) Pete's not having any of it tonight. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. He's displeased. Also, I'm very excited. Uh, we talked to Colin Bunn about the uh, Shadow Man, and we get a little peek of this in this. So I'm very excited about what that's going to be like. There you go. Guardians of the Galaxy number 11 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Juan Cabal. In this issue, this is the second to last issue, I believe, of this run on Guardians of the Galaxy. They are facing down dark Olympian gods. Star-Lord has been through some very weird stuff that's affecting him here. Yeah. I I know we haven't really been keeping up with this book, so what did you think about this issue? I feel like the Guardians of the Galaxy are the most emotional team in comic books. They're wow. an emotion-first team. And this book is it. Like, all the characters are, like, just wide open talking about what they're, what they're going through. And they're like, we have to fight, but I really want to talk about this. And uh, I appreciate that. They're, like, fully... Uh, therapeutic. They're getting it out there. <laughs> They're telling it like it is, and uh, the art's wonderful. Um, it's a. It really is a ragtag group of characters, um, just ex- used very well. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, the art's unbelievable. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Stillwater number six from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by oh, Roman K. Perez. This is a big flashback issue kicking off of the cliffhanger from the last issue where a bunch of military dudes were right outside the town where nobody dies. In this issue, we find out how they got there, what's going on with them. <laughs> As we talked to Jim Sadarsky about on the live show, the danger and the action ramps up in a big way in this book really quickly, yeah. which I continue to find very impressive. 
Yeah, he's really done a good job of setting up a, a very explosive environment. The politics of Stillwater. Now we have the these military guys on the outside of town. Um, the our main character sort of doesn't want to be there. Is is unsettled. Like it's a that combined with Ramon Perez's like very pastoral art, I think makes for just a nice juxtaposition. And I I like this book a lot. Yeah, I agree. It's. You just when you think like okay, this is what's going. It really amps it up even more. Uh, art is unbelievable in the the kind of going between times, the adjustments it makes there, but also just in its storytelling and its panel movement. Uh, I cannot believe like okay, oh sure, yeah, nobody dies. Okay, oh yeah, but now we're gonna deal with this thing. It's like wait, what? It just keeps kind of uh, keeping the action going and. Uh, it's it's crazy in in all the right ways. All right, now it is time for our future state block. As we have been doing the past couple of weeks, we've read through every single issue that came out from DC in Future State this week. We're not going to talk about all of them, but we're going to talk about some highlights. But if you're wondering what came out, we got Future State Superman Worlds of War number two, Immortal Wonder Woman number two, the next Batman number four, Catwoman number two, Nightwing number two, and Shazam number two. So let's call some stuff out. <laughs> Pete just dropped something on the floor. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I just accidentally dropped a pencil. Uh, I, a pencil? Yeah. Oh, so no. were you writing on your phone with a pencil? No. Uh, but Pete, what about your sketching? <laughs> Not a lot of people know this, actually, but Pete does these very funny caricatures of us during <laughs> taping the stack, and it, it, it's a delight. You got to release those, Pete, because honestly, you're like the um, the Colossus, famously a painter, uh, of the podcast. <clears throat> Sure, sure. Anyways, uh, so I really liked uh, next day, the next Batman number four. I mean, having a black Batman is a great idea, but like the part where Batman is just like, listen, I'm going to be real with you guys. I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Um, and But I really like how this is different. You know what I mean? Because uh, Batman in this book has parents and is willing to... You know, maybe stab his mom to get what he needs to get done and keep Gotham safe. And, you know, I don't know if the R Batman would do that. So it's nice to see this Batman really stepping it up and be like, sorry, Ma, sometimes you got to stab somebody for your beliefs. And uh, I don't know. I just think this is the the future state here. I'm still having a lot of fun with the choices that they're making with these heroes. And this uh, the next Batman I'm having a great time with. Well, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite of the week, but I want to throw it to um, Nightwing number two, uh, just on uh, piggybacking on Pete's comment because Nightwing number two uh, features of uh, this new Batman and Nightwing, and I love the dynamic that's created here, where um, our new Batman is like sort of reverential, deferential to Nightwing. He's like, I, I'm I'm just sort of figuring this out right now, and Nightwing's like, I get it, um, and then he, but the our new Batman refuses to leave his side despite the fact that Nightwing like it's a great flip of the dynamic of um, Batman usually being in the in the leadership role and Nightwing being more of a sidekick I just hadn't seen that before and it really caught me off guard in a good way so yeah. what was your favorite of the week then Justin uh, Superman Worlds of War number two like, oh yeah can we story, talk about it this story 
uh, by Philip Kennedy Johnson at the front end of this book is so fucking good. Like he he just boils down the Superman and Clark Kent and um, to just tell tell you about what happened if you haven't read it. Um, it's um, there are these two kids who are sort of in Smallville exploring the area. They walk to the original. Uh, Kent Farm in this world, um, obviously Clark Kent and uh, or Superman's revealed that he's Clark Kent. So they're trying to find the original Kent Farm because everybody knows he's Superman. Juxt and um, uh, the the main girl is, is recounting an article she read that Clark Kent wrote about the town, and it's so good, so interesting about a soldier that came uh, that went to war and how it affected his life. Juxtaposed with images of Superman on Warworld just fighting, sacrificing everything oh, to yeah. free some people who have been um, captured on Warworld against Mongol. And it's just – it's beautiful. It's drawn I, yeah, beautifully. I, it's I, so smartly written. I, I, it's so good. I want to take a moment just to talk about the art alone. I mean unbelievable. Just absolutely the character designs, uh, Mongrel and Superman, like the, their faces just really – I I just it fits so well with the story in such a great way. The the paneling, the art flow, it it's really really well done. I was really impressed with this book. I'm surprised, Pete, that you didn't call out Michael Avon Oming's art on the Midnighter story towards the back of this book because we get like kind of a little Midnighter going through time, and that seems exactly your jab. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, if we can talk about that for a little bit. No, I mean, I'm so sorry. We just ran out of time on no. this comic. We don't have time to talk about it. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that was unbelievable. <laughs> you know, obviously I'm a huge Midnighter fan, but just what a cool concept. And Oming's art is just fantastic. I particularly like the old and young Midnighter mm-hmm. versions that Oming draws here. Super fun. Uh, yeah. it, uh, it was really hard for me to choose this week. I think, again, this is a very strong week for the future state books. I kind of want to go for Immortal Wonder Woman number two, just because Another I think it was book. a gorgeous story. Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, art by Jen Bartel, of Wonder Woman being the, I guess, second to last person in the universe. And it's just, like a lot of these things, a mission statement on Wonder Woman and what she means. But the one that I kind of left until the end, and that I was like, oh, right, the first issue of this was awesome, Shazam number two by Tim Sherman yeah, and yeah. Eduardo Panic. Fucking great. So good. Oh, so dark. This is like the darkest Shazam story I've ever read in my life. But I love it. And I love the cliffhanger that it ends up on, the way that the characters are drawn, just terrified throughout of Shazam and Billy Batson being split apart, where it leaves off, where it's leading into this future state Black Adam book. Just put it in my veins. I'm having a blast reading it. I agree. I like that, too. And I know we said we weren't going to talk about all of them, but I got to throw it out to Cat, uh, Future State Catwoman number two as well. Great. Because it's a great story. It's a train robbery. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get to see uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, um, just show up. Uh, every Everyone thought he was dead. Catwoman reunites with him. Such a great moment. Great action. Onomatopoeia is there for some reason, but it's very cool. Like It was just great. Yeah, did you feel like though? I mean, reading this book, the fact that like it's all set on a train. Did you feel like it was more of a Snowpiercer kind of book? <laughs> oh yes, that's what I was uh, like. Where's all the snow? They should be just piercing each flake. 
I did want to ask, uh, in, in Immortal Wonder Woman, the art is so amazing. And it was driving, I was like, what is this reminding me of? And it reminds me a, a little bit of She-Ra, Princess of Power on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like the, It's almost, and the way the art kind of jumps off the, the, the page is really impressive. And, and I, w- I really liked it. Good stuff. It reminded me. It reminded me a little bit of the Green Lantern book that we love so much, Far Sector. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on because we have a lot of other books to talk about. Thor number twelve from Marvel, written by Donny Cates, art by Nick Klein. Another one of my favorite books of the month oh. because you got Throg and Lockjaw in a huge fight with Donald yes. Blake, who has got Gracie. So much fun, just fighting through dimensions. Just a blast to read. Also so dark, but great. The 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 art and the way Throg is drawn, like some of the action stuff is just so phenomenal. Like him catching the hammer and oh, I ju- I had so much fun with this book. I didn't know it would be this great. I was really, really impressed. This is such a great comic. Time to redo your frog power rankings yeah, because dude, Throg's rising, Throg overtaking the WB frog, Kermit <laughs> the, like really just jumping in here with a big hammer swing. The I want to give a particular shout out, though, to the first double page. I think it's a double page strand or maybe it's a single page, which shows a dissected cut open frog oh, yeah, no. it's the first with page Throg's of the narration. And it's talking about the legacy of Throg and all the things that he's done and how he'll always be remembered. And you're reading that and you're like, no, what happened? No. What did I miss? This is terrible. And then if you flip to the next page and it's like, but he will not die today. And you're like, oh, you son of a bitch, Dottie Cates. Great. Just like a great, fun little faint right there at the top of the book. Just delightful to read. Well, it's very fun to have Throg be such a badass, but also Throg get his uh, little uh, tailless ass kicked <laughs> yes. um, uh, in the middle of the issue. Uh, but the he's just having, Donny Cates is having so much fun in all of his work, really, but this issue yeah. particularly. And then the last panel, oh, I, I thought was man. so cool. And this is a, a shout out to anybody, I don't know, for like maybe one person who listens to this podcast. But did Odin, at the end of this issue, yeah. looks like Key Lime Pie Steve who drinks in B61 <laughs> back in the day, a bar I used to bartend at. So much that it, t- it took me out of the issue for a hot sec. That's wow. amazing. Let's move on to another book then. Excellence number 10 from Image Comics, written by Brandon Thomas, art by yes. Kyle Randolph. We've been loving this book, which is a very different, very spectacular take on magic. In this book, our main character is still on the run, still in bigger trouble every single issue. As we talked about with the last couple, they not exactly stepped away from this, but sort of layered this in without explicitly saying that how much this book was about race and racism. And now they're starting to hit it hard and it is so good. This is phenomenal. I mean, the art and the paneling, the storytelling is great. The action sequences. I mean, there's this one page where he, someone gets like, just like street fighter punched and it's like, fuck what you thought. I've like, I've wanted to do that to somebody for so long. Uh, I, I, it's just so great. So much sonic boom. Do you want to sonic boom someone? Oh man, do I? Um, yes. I mean, I agree. Like, uh, all the, the way this, uh, comic approaches race is so smart, so good, but I don't want to lose the other side of it. Like the, the way this comic approaches magic is also so like just a, a, 
philosophizing about it, like really going deep uh, on all of the subjects that are sort of on the table in this comic. It really just is is such a smartly written book and uh, beautifully drawn. One of my favorites. Next up, Once in Future, number 16 from Boob Studios, written by Kira Gillen and art <laughs> yeah. by Dan Mora. Pete, there's a, there's a badass grandma in this one. You want to talk about this book? I mean, you if, love you're grannies. Not, if you're not reading You've this book. you got like a real grandma fetish, one might say. Go ahead. Yeah. If you're not reading this book at this point, I don't know what's wrong with you. This book is just magic. Every time, every issue, unbelievable art, unbelievable storytelling action-packed, twisting and turning stories uh, that you know and love in different ways. Um, I, yeah, I I just, I cannot wait for this to be a movie or a TV show. I need more Once in Future in my life. If you're not dating a badass grandma at this point, what are you doing with your life, Pete <laughs> says <laughs> and wonders. Um, this is the maybe the most consistent comic book on the stands right now. Yeah. And I mean that in a good in a good way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This issue continues to be great, unfolding the mythology of the book. Uh, Super, super fun. Let's move on to one I'm very excited to chat with both of you about for very different reasons. X-Men Legends, number one from Marvel, written by Fabian DeSueza, art by Brett Booth. Here's what this book is. First of all, this is a new book that Marvel is launching, which finishes or continues stories that are in continuity. This is an in-continuity X-Men story that Fabian DeSueza began almost 30 years ago and never got to finish about the third Summers brother, which, spoiler, we get confirmation here, is in fact Adam X the Extreme. Finally. Finally. So the thing that I'm very curious about is this felt like the perfect synthesis of things that the two of you like about X-Men. Pete, it's a bunch of X-Men killing each other and fighting each other in classic style. Justin, Adam X the Extreme is in it. (laughs) What did you guys think about this book? I will not rest until Adam X the Extreme is hanging out in Krakoa because this guy's going to be the number one get on Fuck Island. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you like him? You like – am I wrong about that? Uh, No, I I liked the – I mean, it's – it's a very 90s character. He's it's a Justin turned up to 11 is what it is. He's got his hat backwards. You know, he's doing a handstands, wearing tight T-shirts. This is all Justin. That's very funny, Pete, and uh, maybe makes me rethink a lot of my uh, self, uh, <laughs> self-worth. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do like the character. I liked the introduction of this character back in the day, and so I appreciate that they're going back and, and making it real. And also, this comic looks like it happened already. This looks yeah. like it's straight out That's of the That's what night. I thought. I got I, I to tell you, life. when I was putting together the stack and sending stuff to you guys, I looked at this and I was like, is this a reprint? What's happening? Yeah, this is a reprint? that's what What's I thought. On? And I did way too much research for just sending you guys a comic to be like, I got to make 100% sure this is actually a new book and not something that came out 30 years ago. But let me say the meticulous dedication to the poses that Cyclops is in like mm-hmm. are straight out of the 90s. Right. Cable shows up here for sort of no reason. The Star Jammers are in this and it's like, oh, of course, why not? They're just hanging around. Um, like it is – it's perfect. It's a perfect version of what it is. I thought this was a reprint, and then I scrolled down. I was like, oh, Jordan D. White, this is real. Let's go. What would you think, Pete? 
this was just 90s over the top stuff and i was just like ah you know it's a fun blast from the past like oh i remember what do you comics- want pete what do you I want w- out of an expert makes book? You i happy. don't even understand at this point i you know I, you know i was like yeah but we've evolved from this like why would you go back here well, just because uh, Hubcap and Tippy Toe and the other Joes aren't in this, can't you enjoy this for what it is? First off, G.I. Joe and X-Men are completely different. How dare you? Are they? Uh, they both have very stupid names. Sure. <laughs> sure. That doesn't mean that they are stupid, though. That's um, true. The thing is, all the X-Men are named like um, non-compound words, and all the G.I. Joes are named compound words. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm glad we settled that. Let's move on and talk about Aria, Heavenly Creatures from Image Comics, ah, written by go. Brian Hogwin, art by Jay Anceto, Ancleto, and uh, Brian Haberlin. Uh, this is a very top what is book. this? <laughs> what, what did you make it's us do here? It's a very book. It's about yeah, perhaps a, the most top cow book. Yes, it's a fairy teaming up kind of with a witchblade, but not exactly a witchblade. Uh, in Victorian times, and it's a little bit sexy, but like not too sexy. So you can feel okay reading it, but be like, oh, no, this you is should. sexy. You should uh, feel okay reading it. I don't know. I, I enjoyed reading this. I was surprised how much by the end it was like, yeah, this is this is silly, but I'm having a, I'm having a fun time. You, Alex has been missing watching softcore pornography. <laughs> yeah, because so. that's very. This is just Alex. You should have comics. to because you put this in the stack. You should have to go read this on the subway right now. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you, you should, should have to go ride the subway and read this. Yeah, yeah. Watching a little Skinamax on my phone while I'm doing oh, it. Yeah. Just listening. Just listening just, to the Skinamax. It's all yeah, you're you're just yeah. Watching USA up all night. <laughs> Great. Um, thanks for the review, guys. No, I mean the the heart of this book. I mean, this book is it has such it's a just vibe. boobs. And the, well, but there are there is a lot of that, but it has such a vibe, which I I recognize that, and like the art is so specific to what it is. It it uh, I liked reading it. Like I'm not uh, shitting on it, but it's very funny that you're like this is good because there's a lot of poses where. Uh, yeah. People be showing off their bodies. Uh, me? No, I'm not saying it's good necessarily. I'm just saying I had fun reading it. This, this is the only. This is, big, this is the only fans. This, who eats people? What? Yeah, that, that part's cool. This is the only fans of comic books. If you want to get in on that. <laughs> Uh, the last Ronin number two from IDW story by Kevin Eastman, go. Peter Laird and uh, Tom Waltz script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman layouts by Kevin Eastman pencils and inks by Isa and Isaac escort Ben Bishop and Kevin Eastman. This is of course, continuing the story of the last turtle left alive. We've got a cliffhanger in the last issue that April O'Neill is also alive. And we find out a lot more about that here. Pete over to you. All right. So first off, you can't have enough variant covers, all right? You need variant covers, all right? You need tons of them, and you need, like, 20 pages of it. No, I'm just so happy that the Eastman and Laird have teamed back up to give us another <laughs> Turtle book. I could give a shit uh, if it's any good or not. This is good. I'm loving every single moment of it. But when, when and it goes back to the black and white stuff, I am just in heaven. And uh, it's just so great. Uh, I feel like it. I'm back in time and a little kid reading this in my bed. So it was. It's just glorious, and I don't care if anybody doesn't like it or not. This is just my jam. It's very funny that you you say you feel like you're a little kid reading this because this book is about being old. 
that like <laughs> the images of Michelangelo, oh, no longer man. a party dude, uh, where he's just like super wrinkly. He's all wrinkles, and they're just like, "Member, oh, it's so great to be alive." Now uh, we're old. I have a robot hand. Uh, it's it's a wild read, but it's good. Yeah, I like this a lot. Definitely when I got to the flashback portion in the old school yeah. Turtles title, uh, I was like, oh, Pete's going to like this. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> but it's, so it's good. Like it's Like you're saying, there's a lot of danger there. There's a lot of nostalgia there. It's definitely way better than it could have been for a story that they had sitting on the shelf for decades at this point. Um, but a lot of fun. Let's move on and talk about Black Widow number five from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, yes. art by Elena Casagrande with Rafael de la Torre. This, hands down, these five issues is one of the best Black Widow stories I have ever read in my entire life. A hundred percent. I have loved this series so much. My favorite issue of the week, like... The way that this took uh, Black Widow, who is sort of really tread this ground of like, well, someone captured her and erased her memories and reset her in a way that is uh, difficult for her to come to grips with, took that premise and just emotionally elevated it to a point where you really feel for these characters. Um, All of them, even we have Hawkeye in here who is straight up killing people, which I didn't know he did all the time. Um, Maybe that was a special. Do you think he just got to tap people with his arrows? Yeah, what, how did you? Well, he doesn't usually hits him in the shoulder or like the knee. In this, he's just like, sorry, dude, right in your friggin' eye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you get to and see And your good him, eye, too. Your Ooh. good eye, your shooting eye. You get yeah. to see him be emotional uh, here. You get to see um, Winter Soldier, which I love the Black Widow Winter Soldier relationship. Um, I look back fondly on the Ed Brubaker days of that and to have it be sort of touched on here, super sad, but really Black Widow, you're just feeling so much for her. I love the setup of the multiple Black Widows going forward. Truly pick up this series. Pete? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really great. The art's unbelievable. Uh, it's an amazing story. Very touching. I really hope the movie is exactly like this run, and I will be very happy. Also... But- Pete, that movie oh. came out last year. Like you didn't? Did you not watch it? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I was. Oh, really? Uh, it perfectly set up Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which also yeah. came out last year. Yeah. Huh. I guess I just was born today. Then I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Uh, I anyway, I just want to we... point out though. Yes. Uh, they're on a carousel for one panel here, and. Uh, there's a cat with this fish in his mouth, and I was just on a carousel with a cat and his fish in his mouth, and I didn't know that was a thing. So that was weird seeing that it's a real thing. Did you guys? Did you know that was a thing? What? I don't know. That's a thing. What you just said is a thing. <laughs> what are you I don't know. The words about? you said is a sentence. Well, like usually a, when you go on a carousel, they got horses, you got okay. different animals you can ride. But I was like, why the fuck is there a cat with a fish in its mouth that you can ride? This is crazy. Or I've never seen it before, and then I went from riding that cat with the fish in his mouth to then see it in this comic book, and I was like, "Life why, is weird." Why were you at a carousel in the middle yes, of a that's, pandemic? That's Pete. the real question. Uh, Valentine's Day, and we had the carousel to ourselves, motherfuckers. Oh, that Ooh, is I bet you took. Very romantic. I bet you, yes, I bet you took a lot of carousel selfies. <laughs> Uh, nice. Before we wrap up here, let's finish up with a accidental Kelly Thompson block. Sarah, the teenage, uh, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> Sarah the teenage night. human. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch, number two uh, from Archie Comics, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Veronica Fish and Andy Fish. This is uh, finishing up the Something Wicked art. Pete, you are showing us pictures of this cat and fish, but we cannot see them. They are too yeah, bright. Pete, okay, I don't well. want to see all these Valentine's Day pictures. Like, I know you have an active love and sex life. Like, please <laughs> keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good wrap up to this book I've really enjoyed it I think like we talked about before It's the perfect fusion of the Archie comic style And the TV show style It hits the nice middle ground there And that continues with this issue There's also a nice cliffhanger here That made me very poignant For the end of the Netflix series I Yeah, I love this This is really great And to me like you know, sometimes we have these characters that are way in over their heads and fighting these battles they don't really belong in. Sabrina really pulls it off in a way you can get behind and don't think it's like, oh, this is just weird. I, I, I'm i really impressed with the way that they do Sabrina, not only in, in this comic, but in this run. Uh, so great. The art's unbelievable. Really fun storytelling and uh, makes me wish that miss the TV show. Yeah. Talking cat, but still good. Oh, yeah, the talking cat was great. That line was really funny. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about comics. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Hubcap.